And today will be the very last time I say that for a long, long time, probably Deuteronomy chapter five. We've been uh, here for several, several weeks. And today we're going to be closing out uh, this series, uh, this end of summer series. And uh, did we actually even have a summer? I mean, weather-wise, it never got to 100, and we're, we're blessed. That global warming's killing me. I don't know about y'all, but uh, I've enjoyed this cooler weather, and the grass is still green here at the 1st of September. And uh, we've been in this series, though, calling Give Me a Break and kind of focusing in, talking about the fact that uh, many of you had an opportunity to take a vacation uh, this summer and take a break and get some rest and relaxation. And, and if you got to do that, I'm so glad. Uh, but we've kind of been talking about along those lines of how we can find refreshment, we can find renewal uh, in our spiritual lives without having to spend any money, without having to fly anywhere, without having to drive anywhere. We can find that in our hearts and in our lives right here and right now. And so that's what we've kind of been talking about uh, in this series. And I don't know how you guys have felt about this series, but I have really enjoyed uh, being able to go through this with you. This is probably the longest series that, that I've ever done uh, with you. And, and if you're new and you're visiting with us today, what we've been doing is we've been going through the Ten Commandments uh, over the past several weeks from Deuteronomy chapter 5. The Ten Commandments are actually uh, listed in uh, two different places in the Old Testament, but we've been looking at them from Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're actually in week number 9 of this series, and some people have been like, well, Steve, which one of the, which one of the Ten Commandments did you skip? And so I'll just let you figure that out. Uh, no, I, I, I said about halfway through, I was tempted just to do four or five weeks uh, out of the Ten Commandments, but God really challenged me uh, that all of them were very important and we shouldn't leave any of them out. And so uh, today we are closing out this series. It is week nine, but if you were paying close attention, I covered the first two uh, in one sermon. And so that's why this was uh, is only going to take us nine weeks. But what we've done is we've navigated our way through this series and through the Ten Commandments is that we've learned that, that the Ten Commandments aren't just some ancient rules uh, that were written or etched in stone, you know, 3,500 years ago. But we've been learning that they are incredibly relevant for us today. They're incredibly relevant and, and important to our lives as followers of Jesus uh, today. And I hope that as we've been going through these, that you have found them not to limit perhaps freedom or to be rules, but you have found that these are actually uh, some guidelines that are life-giving uh, to us. And, and they're exciting for us to be able uh, to live according to the principles that God has for us. And as we live according to these principles, we can find and enjoy the blessings that God wants to have for us in our lives because God doesn't want to 
you know, hinder our joy. He, he doesn't want to rob us of joy or freedom or fun or any of that stuff. He wants us to have that. He wants us to have joy and happiness. And, and, and Christians of all people should be the loudest laughers and the biggest smilers, right? I mean, to enjoy life. He wants that uh, for us. And so these commandments are not some list of rules to limit our, our freedoms or our fun, uh, but instead there's some guidelines that God has given us to where, yes, we can find rest. Yes, we can find uh, a relaxation. Yes, importantly, we can find a sense of purpose because if you're living a life with no sense of purpose, you're living a pretty miserable life. And so we've been talking about how these commandments show us uh, what our purpose is for life. It gives us meaning and also a hope for the future. And we've said every single week that the Ten Commandments are not something that you have to do. They're just not. There's something that we get to do. There's something that we get to live within and to enjoy, to experience what God has for us in our lives. And so today we're closing out with the Tenth Commandment, and we find that Tenth and Final Commandment in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse number 21. Final commandment today is this. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. You must not covet your neighbor's house or land, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. So basically, it says this. You're not supposed to covet something that belongs to someone else. And then it goes on to give us a, a list of examples here. Uh, and, and I don't know about you, but I've really never had a problem coveting someone else's ox or donkey. <laughs> I, I just hadn't had that. And I understand I'm really, really young, but uh, I've, I've never really had that issue. But of course, when these were written... Think about what they were saying here. A donkey would have been what? Their primary means of transportation, right? And so back in the day, there were some donkeys that were limited edition. There were some donkeys that were platinum. There were some donkeys that were King Ranch. There were some donkeys that were Silverados that nobody wanted. And so you had all of these, you had all of these different, yes, I'm a Ford guy. <clears throat> and... Uh, but anyway, so, so basically, this, this, the idea there is that you should never covet someone else's means of transportation, right? And, and honestly, this word covet is an interesting word uh, because it's not really a word that any of us use, is it? It's not really a word that any of us use in our, our vocabulary. As a matter of fact, I, I can't recall ever even having a conversation with anyone where they used the word covet. So, so what does this word covet actually means? Well, it means, you know, to desire something or, or to really long for something, to, to really want to have something that belongs to somebody else, okay? Uh, uh, and so, you know, just a, a couple of quick observations about that. And the, and the first one is this, you know, there's nothing wrong with desiring things, there's nothing wrong with desiring, uh, uh, wanting something. The difference is, okay, is when we desire something 
that specifically belongs to someone else. That's when it becomes a problem for us. And we see that this is basically a human nature that we're born with. And if you don't believe that it's a basic human nature that we're born with, you've never worked in our nursery back there in the Family Life Center. All right, because those of you that have children, you know this, especially if you have more than one child, one of your children can be in there in the playroom playing with a room full of toys Slam full of toys. The other child walk into the room and what toy do they want? The one that the other kid is playing with, right? I mean, it's our nature. We see this even uh, as children. And so, you know, what's behind that behavior? Well, it's this heart of coveting, wanting what somebody else has. And then what happens? Kids grow up and they become adults. And, and this nature is still there. And if we're not careful, we'll continue to have, you know, this desire of wanting to have what somebody else has. But, but this commandment gives us a, a few different examples uh, again here. One of which says not to covet your neighbor's wife. And, and again, listen, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a wife. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a husband. There's not even anything wrong with wanting to have an awesome wife or an awesome husband. The problem is, is you can't want his awesome wife, right? Or her awesome husband. This is where the problem lies. Or maybe sometimes it's not about a person at all. Maybe sometimes it's not even about a material thing, but it could be in some sort of position that someone has or some sort of honor maybe that someone has. And it's perfectly okay to want to be successful. It's perfectly okay to want to be influential. But where it crosses the line is, is when we want their success, right? Or we want their position or or their influence or or their power. So this isn't about having a desire. This isn't about wanting, uh, you know, things. It's about having a desire for something that's not rightfully ours, to, to begin with. And here's the second observation uh, about this commandment. If you look at this commandment in the context of the other nine that we've already looked at, this one is, is unique uh, in what it is because it's the only one of the commandments that's not about action. It, it's not about a behavior. It's actually about our thoughts. Uh, and we've seen that all the other commandments are, are, are addressing some sort of behavior or some sort of action. But this commandment is not about our actions, but it's all about our thoughts. And I can't help but think that God very strategically placed this one as the last commandment, as the Ten Commandment, as if to say this, right? It's this thought of a coveting heart that is actually the underlying factor for all the other nine. And it's almost like if we can, you know, if we can't get this 10th commandment right, if we can't get this one right, then all the other nine are are really going to be a struggle for us. And if you think about it, the first few commandments, all right, they speak to our relationship with God. 
right? The first several, and, and we've saw this. God says, I don't want you to have any other gods before me. I don't want you to worship any idols or put any idols in front of me. He says, I don't want you to use my name in vain. You know, he, he's saying, I want you to make my name great. I want my name to be glorified. And so God makes it very clear right off the bat that it's his glory that matters, right? He makes it very clear right off the bat that it's his name that matters. But how easy is it for us to get to a place in our lives where we go, you know, but, but I would like for my name to matter. I, 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 I want my name to be great. And, and so we can take the glory that rightfully belongs to God, and don't miss this, and we can desire to take that for ourselves. And, and so it's the thought that's behind uh, these first three commandments that, that when they're broken, it becomes a covetous uh, thought. And then in other commandments, it can be a, a covetous heart in extreme situations that might lead us uh, to murder in the ways that we talked about uh, when we looked at that commandment. And I encourage if you missed that, it's, it's really not just about murder and taking someone else's life. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a whole scope of, of ideas that go along with that. But it can be a covetous heart that would lead us to, to take the life uh, of someone else. It can be a covetous thought that might cause us to steal, right? To take something from someone that's not ours. Well, why would we do that? Because we want what the other person has, right? And so it's this covetous thought that might lead us uh, to steal. It, it's a covetous thought that leads many people to commit adultery, and we talked about that. Why would we commit adultery? Because we are coveting someone else's spouse. And so you kind of see the heartbeat behind all of these. And this command is the heartbeat, the thinking pattern behind, I believe, all of these other commandments that we've been looking at. And so, just maybe, God gave us this one last. And he said, I'm going to wrap it up with this to say, you know what? If you will get this one right, if you will allow me to do a work in your heart and in your stinking thinking, right? If you allow me to do a work there and we honor this 10th commandment, we'll actually learn that it's so much easier to honor the other nine that we've already looked at. And so this is a very important commandment for us today as we close this out. And last week we learned the truth about lies. And so this week I wanted to close out this series and, and talk about knowing the truth about coveting. How can we know the truth uh, about coveting? And the truth about this commandment is that when we break this commandment, it actually affects our relationships, okay? When we break this commandment, it actually hinders our relationships. And so what we've been looking at over these past several weeks is, as we've looked at these commandments, is we've been kind of peeling back the layers to the action and the behavior and, and kind of saying, what makes us do what we do? What makes us tick the way we tick? Right? What causes us, you know, to act the way we act? What is the why behind the commandment? 
And so what's the, the why this morning behind a coveting heart or a coveting mind? Well, I believe that's what's behind coveting is simply this. It's envy, right? It's envy, this thing that maybe uh, you might call jealousy. And what creates envy? What is it that causes jealousy in our lives? It's when we compare it's when we begin to compare, right? It happens when we compare our life to the life of someone else. That's when the envy and the jealousy begins to grow within our own hearts because we begin to look at other people and see what they are or what they have, and then we get jealous and we become envious. And let me say this as clearly as I possibly can. When you compare your life to someone else, you lose. You lose every single time. It's true when we compare ourselves to someone who we think has it better than us. Someone we think who is more successful than us. Maybe they have more material things than us. Or we look at other people and we, we think that they have a better marriage than what we have. A better job than what we have. A better bank account than what we have. They, or, or look at them and go, you know, they have more friends than they have. You know, they, they have a, a pool party every night. And I can't beg people to come to my house because, they, you know, nobody seems to like microwave TV dinners. I don't know. And, and so, you know, we look at them and think, man, how awesome they've got it how awesome that must be whatever it is but if we compare ourselves to somebody else that we think is better than us we lose we lose every time and here's why because when we think that other people have it better than us it makes us jealous okay if we think that somebody else has it better than us, then it makes us jealous. It causes us to envy, thus causing us to covet. And this affects our relationships. This affects all of our relationships with others because let me tell you something. It is very difficult for you to love someone that you feel like you are inferior to. It makes it tough. It makes it very tough to be able to minister to someone or serve someone that you feel like is superior to you. And so every time we compare, we lose. But I'm going to tell you this morning that there is one person that I believe it is good for us to compare ourselves to. Matter of fact, I would tell you this morning, if you feel like you have to compare yourself to someone, can I just tell you who you ought to compare yourself to? Your former self. Your former self. If you want to do some comparisons and compare yourself to someone, compare yourself to your former self, especially if you've been on a journey with Jesus especially if you've been allowing God to do a work in your heart and your life on your journey with him. Sometimes the very best thing that we can do is to look back and to see how far God has brought us from where we once were. Sometimes it's the best thing we can do is to go to look back and go, look how far he's brought me. Right? Or, or we look back at, at who we used to be 
And we can see that, you know what? God has made some pretty significant changes in me. I'm in church on Sunday. Who would have thunk it 20 years ago, right? God has done a, a significant work in my heart and in my life. And so, you know what? It's okay to look back and compare now versus to who we used to be and, and where we used to be. Because here's the deal, folks. When we do that, it's God who gets the glory. All right? It's God who gets the credit for the work that he has done in our lives because, oh, by the way, none of you could have ever changed what God has changed in your heart and in your life. He's the only one that could do it. He's the only one that could bless you the way that you've been blessed. And, and, and so it's God who gets the glory. It's God who gets the credit. And when we compare ourselves with our former self, let me tell you something. You won't feel inferior. You won't feel inferior or even superior or even jealous. But instead, you will be grateful for what God has done. You will be grateful for how God has blessed you, where God has brought you to, and what God has done in your life. And, and so if you've got to compare, I would just encourage you to compare yourself to your former self because if you compare yourself to others, you lose. Because it's comparison that often drives a covetous heart and thoughts that we're talking about today, and it hurts our relationships with other people when we do that. And I would even go so far as to say that it not only hurts our relationships with others, but it also hurts and hinders our relationship with God. All right, think about it like this. When we compare ourselves with others, what are we saying to God? When we compare ourselves with others, what are we saying to God? If we're comparing ourselves to someone else, we're basically saying this, God, I don't want or I don't like what you've done for me. All right? We're basically saying, God, here's what I want. Here's what I would like to have. I want what you gave them. I had rather have what you gave them than what you gave me. And so, God, I, I don't like what you gave me. I like what you gave someone else. And honestly, I believe this way of thinking, this covetous heart, this jealous heart, this envious heart, I believe it breaks the heart of God when we're this way. And, 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 you know, think about it like this. We talk about all the time that God is our heavenly dad, right? He's our heavenly father. He's our dad. And so think about it like this. Let, let's say that, that you uh, had someone in your life that, that you love very dearly. And you had spent a lot of time planning out a gift that you were going to get for them. You put a lot of thought into it. You were excited about giving them this gift. Maybe even this gift cost a whole lot of money. And you were so excited and you could not wait to give them this gift and for them to open the gift and you give it to them and you're so excited and they open the gift and they look up and go, really? This is what you gave me? I'd much rather have what you gave them. Well, what would that do if that happened to you and you were the gift giver? It would hurt, wouldn't it? It'd break your heart. And I think many times when we have these covetous thoughts, 
and we're comparing, you know, ourselves to someone else, what we're really saying is, is, really? God, this is what you're giving me? This, this is the gift you want me to have? I'd much rather have what you gave them. And, and I believe that when we do that, it hurts God and it hinders our relationship with him. And, and some people might push back and say, and, and I totally get it, I understand it. But some people might say, well, you know what? To be frank, God has not been very fair to me in how he's distributed the gifts. And I, I mean, I can, I can look at some of you and, and, and understand that. I, I can because every single morning I get up and I walk to the mirror and I look in the mirror and I see this ugly bald-headed mug. Some of you look in the mirror and you get to look at a model every morning while you're getting ready. So I understand how God's not fair and how he distributes the gifts. And I'm kidding because some of you got some things I'm glad I didn't get. So just... <laughs> But seriously, sometimes we might look at our lives and think that God hasn't been as gracious to us as he has to some other people that we may know. Why can't I have a house like that? Why can't I have that much land? Why can't I have that much money? Why can't I have a marriage like that? Why can't I have a child that I want so bad? Or, or whatever that thing may be. And, and I'll just answer those questions this morning with this profound statement. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why God does everything that he does. But here's what I do know. God is good. <laughs> He's a good God. He wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. That's what God wants for you. God wants what is, is only best for his children. You know, my kids were driving go-karts when they were old enough to reach the pedals. And they were pretty good go-kart drivers. But that didn't mean I went out and bought them a car just because they could drive a go-kart real awesome when they were 10-year-old, right? I mean, I knew what was best for them. I knew what was, what was good for them, what was best for my kids. Listen, God knows what is best for us, and we do not. <laughs> God knows what's best for us, and he wants what is best for us. So here's the deal. We have to trust him, and we have to trust his plan because our plan isn't that great. But his plan is incredible. And I don't know why God does everything that he does, but I believe with all my heart that God does what is best for us at the time. And I would encourage you to do this. You know, the Bible speaks about God wanting us to have the desires of our hearts. And we've all read that. We've all seen that. And, and so the Bible says to bring our desires to, to God in prayer. 
And so it's okay to pray about things that we want, that we want to, to see happen. It's okay to pray that. But, but I would just encourage you to add this to your prayer when you're praying for those things, that God, you know what? If you choose to answer no to whatever it is that I'm asking you to do right now, if your answer is no, would you just do this? Would you do a work in my heart that prepares me for what you do have for me? Would you begin to do a work in my heart that would prepare for me the, whatever it is good that you've got for me uh, in the days ahead to prepare me for what it is that you have for me somewhere further down the line in my journey with you? And it's often in these times where we find ourselves wanting and waiting and find ourselves desiring more or something better in our lives. It's often in those times, if you think back about it, when God does his greatest work in our hearts. It's in those times. And, and, and so, but when we compare, when we covet, it affects our relationships with other people. It affects our relationship with God. Because we're not being grateful, but instead we're just being greedy. We're being jealous. We're being envious. And don't miss this. God has something so much greater for you. More than you ever dreamed or imagined. That's what he wants for you. And that's what he has for you. And so it's important that we know the truth this morning about coveting. But I also believe that God wants us to fight coveting with something that really matters. He wants us to replace coveting with contentment. He wants to replace jealousy with contentment. He wants to replace the envy that's in our hearts with contentment. I want to look at what the Apostle Paul said this morning. And I don't want you to go out from here and tell anybody about this this morning. Because this is a secret. And if they're not here, they're just missing out on it. Okay? Stop the recording on the website deal. Because this is a secret that only us, only those that are here get to learn. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. The secret to life is right here. Paul says this, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, and I also know how to live on everything. Don't miss this. I have learned the... Shh, keep it quiet. You and I will be the only ones that know. All right? I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little. Paul's saying, listen, I've learned the secret to life. I've learned the secret to having a, a, a life that God wants me to have and enjoy. And here's the deal. I'm going to let you all in on it this morning. But the secret to living a, a meaningful, joy-filled life is this. And it has absolutely nothing to do with your situation. It has absolutely nothing to do with your circumstances. But Paul says, I found a way... To be content whether I had a full stomach or whether I had an empty stomach. I've learned to find contentment whether I had six figures in the bank account or six cents in the bank account. That my circumstances in no way determine 
or dictate whether I'm content or not. And Paul says, and this is the secret to life. This is the secret to life. The greatest news in the world about contentment is this. Contentment has absolutely nothing to do with what's in your hands. Contentment has everything to do with what's in your heart. Huh. And, and so, how do we get that? How, how do we get... Paul says, here's the secret. It's being content. I want some of that. Right? Can I buy that at Target? How do we get contentment? How do we find this contentment that can replace our jealousy, our envy, and, and our coveting of others? Well, we find contentment, and we touched on this just a few moments ago, through gratitude. That's where it comes from. It comes from gratitude by simply being grateful for whatever it is that God has given us today. Right? And no matter if we think we have a lot, or if we think we have a little, we can find gratitude in whatever it is that we have, that we have right now. And we can wake up every single morning and thank God for another day that he's given us because, folks, every day that he gives you is a blessing from him. It's a gift. It's a gift that he's wrapped and said, "This I made this day especially for you. And it's a gift he gives you. And so we're to be grateful for that. Every day we can be grateful for the opportunities that he gives us and puts in our paths as we journey through life with him. Grateful for the people that God has brought into our lives. Instead of looking at other people and go, man, I would love to be them. I would love to have their friends. I would love to have their spouse or whatever it may be. Just going, God, thank you for the ones that I do have. Thank you for the people that you have brought in my life. And be grateful for that. When we learn to live life with gratitude, whether a lot or a little, when we learn to be grateful, we'll find a sense of peace. We'll find contentment when we become people with grateful hearts. A grateful heart is a heart that is filled with contentment. And the more that we experience and express gratitude... What God does is, is he begins to do a work in our heart, a work that replaces coveting with contentment. And can I just tell you something? If you can find a place to where you can be content, that's where the freedom comes in. When you can find yourself in a place where you are content, that freedom that we've been talking about for the past several weeks, that's where you find it. When you find yourself in a place where you can be content, that's when you will learn and find the purpose for our lives. And it's there that we can find our hope for the future. We don't have to. We get to. And as I think about our journey over these past nine weeks... And what we've been learning in this series, the theme of what God has been saying to us week after week after week, it's not just about the way we act. It's not just about our external behavior or action. But it is always about your heart. It's all about the heart. And the great news is that God desires and wants to desperately do a work 
in our hearts. And, and when we surrender our heart to him and allow him to do what he wants to do in our hearts and in our lives, that's when we are truly going to find and experience life. And he knows that. And that's why he gave us these parameters and these guidelines. He's like, if you will get this right with my help, I'm going to help you to get this right so that you can experience life and the life that I want for every single one of you to enjoy. We don't have to. We get to. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the promises in your word today, for the hope that we have in a relationship with you. And many of us today can look back, just kind of press the pause button and turn around and look and see how far you've brought us. See what you brought us out of. See what you brought us to. And God, only you receive the glory and the credit and the honor for that. It's nothing that we could have ever done on our own and our plan probably would have been much different anyway. And so we thank you so much for the journey. We thank you for continually uh, trying to take our lives and make our lives look more like you because if we'll look more like you, then people around us will see you. And that's what's important, that they see you, not me. So God, we're, we're grateful today that you want good things for us. You want us to have a good life. You want us to enjoy life. You want us to have life and have it more abundantly. And you've kind of laid out the plan. You've kind of laid out the blueprint here for us over these past several weeks, how we can have that, how we can know that, and how we can experience that in our own lives. And so I thank you for what you've been doing. I thank you for what your Holy Spirit has been speaking into the hearts and, and the lives of our, our church over these past several weeks. But God, may we never forget that it's not about the things that we can do or the things that we don't do, the things that we can check off the list, but it's all about our heart. And it's about our heart being like yours. And, and it's a heart that breaks for the things that breaks your heart. And so, God, I pray that we would see and hear exactly what you want us to see and hear as we go out into this world that's hurting. Many are lost and don't know the way. And, God, the way they need to go is your way, and to be on a journey with you, with us. And so I pray that you would help us to be able to show them the right paths, that they would see in our lives something, a contentment maybe even, that they would long to have in their own lives. But God, whatever, whatever it is that we do, I just pray that it would bring you glory and bring you honor. We love you so much. Again, I want to thank you for your amazing love that you have for every single one of us and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. I hope you have a great Labor Day and an absolute.